This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. The central government recently suspended Professor K S James, the director of International Institute of Population Studies or IIPS in Mumbai. This is a premier institute supported by the government that conducts some of the most important large-scale surveys in the country, including the National Family Health Survey or NFHS, Global Adult Tobacco Survey, among many others. I want to talk about the NFHS a little bit. The NFHS is an important survey. because it looks at childhood undernutrition rates vaccination rates anemia among children and adults the extent to which healthcare is delivered for instance how many women deliver at home how many in hospitals etc the last nfhs that is the one between 2019 and 2021 showed that anemia was on the rise and the claim of india being 100% open defecation free was not true among many others the opposition parties claim that the suspension of professor james reflects the government's uneasy relationship with data based evidence in the past that is in 2019 pc mohanan from the national statistical commission quit and he said that the one of the reasons was the late release of unemployment data measured under the national sample survey office In the 2019 survey joblessness was up by 6.1% in the country then the highest it had been for 45 years apart from that the government has been routinely rejecting any study that shows the country's supposed development in a bad light one instance is the excess deaths data during 2020 and 2021 that has been attributed to covid-19 pandemic the government also rejected the findings of the global hunger index where india ranked 107 among 121 countries saying that the survey was an attempt to tarnish india's image hello i am menaka rao the host of this episode of the suno india show in this episode i speak with ashish gupta a demographer and a sociologist he is a phd from university of pennsylvania his research looks at the interrelations between health environment and inequality in developing countries He has been published extensively on various subjects including COVID-19 related mortality, life expectancy, open defecation and all these in relation with caste, gender among other variables. I first asked Ashish how we can understand the government's responses to population related data studies. Thanks for this question and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. as you rightly point out the suspension of renowned uh, academics such as professor james and dr mohan these are really concerning events these are people with a lot of integrity and who really have been very careful in their work the common thread throughout these events and others is the fact that often these surveys and these data or these people show up inconvenient facts facts that are inconvenient to the government these are also really important facts for public discussion we really care about how much progress we are making in terms of health in terms of common goals such as reducing poverty or unemployment and i think what is clear is that the government doesn't like hearing about these facts and doesn't like having discussion on these facts what the real tragedy is that if public discussion is prevented then we don't come up with strategies to challenge these adverse events and adverse findings this i also want to say that uh, 
the given India's large population, what happens in India matters to the whole world. If India is not making progress in reducing uh, mortality or undernutrition or unemployment, this influences the trajectory of the whole world, right? So everybody, the whole world has a stake in how India is doing and the whole world has a stake in what numbers in India, what data in India is showing there's a general trend in the decline of public discussion and democratic spaces within Indian society and in Indian political circles. Uh, as with other domains of public life, whereby it's often self-censored, if we speak out, then somebody attacks, uh, often with links to the government. This is happening within academic spaces and within public data uh, also. The other thing I also wanted to discuss was, you know, uh, an argument made that survey methodologies are faulty. And uh, in a recent working paper by the Economic Advisory Council to the PM, you know, which was released in March, uh, it argues just that. Considering, you know, not many people understand stats and how it works can you help us contextualize this and you know help us understand what were the issues if any with our national survey methodologies and you know how do we understand this issue basically now so there was this paper by members of the prime minister's economic advisory council as well as other academics and a related op-ed that claim that these surveys are systematically biased towards rural India. So what these surveys, uh, what these authors are claiming is that the surveys have a higher proportion of rural households than what we expect to have based on, say, population projections into 2020 or 2021. In general, rural households tend to be less developed. Uh, rural areas tend to be less developed. Rural households less to be tend to be poorer and have lesser access to public health services. If surveys are systematically biased towards rural areas, then they would also show the all India average estimate to be slightly lower than what it would have been if rural households were in the same proportion as what we expect them to be. There are several problems with this sort of argument. One is that actually the lack of progress or stagnation in terms of health or unemployment. We've seen this in both rural and urban areas actually from the surveys, right? So it's not that it's just in rural areas and that's and so the surveys have a higher proportion of rural residents and that's why it's biased. The fact is that we have seen a lack of progress in both sets of areas, in both rural and urban areas. The second is that, see, actually the the overall estimate of rural and urban households comes from the Indian census. The last census happened in 2011. So whenever a survey happens, what it does is it has a sample size. It has, So for instance, the NFHS has a sample size of 6 lakh households. And then about 30 lakh individuals, each household has about four or five members, right? So it's a very large sample size, but it still reweights its sample to match the characteristics as it is observed in the census. Now, the last census 
was observed in 2011. So what the NFHS 5, which was conducted in 2019, is doing is that it is reweighting its sample to match what was observed in 2011, right? So it matches on certain characteristics, such as among them, rural urban households, among them, the, the state uh, proportion, the state-wise population distribution, right? Now, if a new census was available, the NFHS and other surveys would reweight on the basis of that. The fact is that a new census is not available because partly it was delayed during the pandemic and then it hasn't happened for reasons that we don't exactly understand, right? Several other countries that have that had uh, pandemics similar to India have done censuses. They were delayed, but they did happen. India just does hasn't done its census. So this actually really harms surveys also because they don't know what to weigh on. So I think um, all of this is much ado about nothing. Um, the when if and when a new census is available, existing surveys, the even the ones that have happened in the past, we can use their data because the data is publicly available, and we can reweight it based on a new census's results. This is something that is easy to do. This is something that. As demographers, economists, statisticians, we have a lot of expertise for. Some of this expertise was, in fact, developed within in India, right? Um, so, um, so actually, I think what the background of this is that again, this is some uh, surveys show up some inconvenient facts. Uh, the government of the day doesn't like those facts and then it comes up with counter narratives every now and then to attack uh, those things to sow doubt in the public's mind about what is happening when in fact multiple surveys have shown up really concerning findings in a large number of domains from health to unemployment uh, to poverty and so instead of confronting those findings, uh, what is tragic is that uh, public energy, uh, government funds, uh, intellectual energy is going to is going on, is being spent in creating these narratives that discredit the surveys. I should note that there are concerns, I mean, no survey is perfect, and there is a lot of space for intellectual inquiry and research on what surveys get right but to dismiss them outright based on uh just because we don't like the facts that they show up is a sort of a political exercise in the garb of research papers uh, they have you know made moves to remove certain categories uh, from you know nfhs data right which is a very important survey and uh, anemia and disability this year, that's what has been spotted so far, has been removed. Uh, there is there is one recent report in Times of India which even talks of, you know, removing the way stunting will be calculated. So, I mean, what can be made of such moves and, you know, what are the consequences of this? Yeah, yeah, these are great questions. So, I think... Uh, lots of so anemia, disability. Uh, these are things that the NFHS has measured for a long time, and 
the nfhs one should remember is part of a global survey called the demographic and health surveys these surveys happen in a large number of developing countries so the big advantage of nfhs is that it uses a standardized questionnaire across countries and it has used this questionnaire and methodological approach in india over time right uh the other advantage is that nfhs data has always been publicly available so i or you can go to the nfhs data and look at what is happening so this enables a lot of discovery so yes the nfhs publishes a report about what is the proportion of uh, proportion of women in certain ages that have anemia what is the proportion of children but let's say i think that this is because of the lack of avail- availability of certain foods somebody else may think this is because of some infectious diseases and so on. so all of us have access to this data and we can we can do research on it that gen- that helps generate insights about what pub- what public policy should do about it right what it also does is because of these because we do research the issues remain alive in public discussion right what the government is what the current strategy is to drops these questions from the nfhs all together i think this is really concerning um what will happen is that uh, what the the track record of other surveys that the government has done so one of them is the cnns right cnns is the comprehensive national nutrition survey that was published in 2019 it was conducted between 2016 2018 this survey was used by some researchers to recommend a cutoff for anemia which is lower now the cnns is never available in the public domain some researchers have access to it And, and then they have come up with uh, this conclusion that actually the cutoff for anemia should be lower than um, uh, than what the, the global WHO recommended uh, cutoff would be. This this is sort of an academic debate, and so I don't think how removing anemia from NFHS will answer that. What we can do is we can have this measured in multiple surveys. and then we come up okay what is what should be the cutoff for anemia the other thing i should say is that deciding a cutoff is a very uh, quote unquote clinical approach so for instance you can very well think that actually we care about the average level of hemoglobin in among people right and so if you whether you have a cutoff at 11 or 12 is it the fact that somebody is whose anemia is 11.1 are they markedly different from someone whose anemia is at 10.9 right no we don't think so um, in any case there's lots of measurement error in surveys so actually there is a case for having some sort of a continuous approach now sci- now all of this is a scientific discussion that can happen with the availability of data from multiple sources right so to kill one source because it leads to public discussion about anemia that i think is a real uh, tragedy um in this entire in in this entire debate the other aspect uh, to this is that we also worry about the government having so much say and on 
uh, surveys like the NFHS, right? These are always supposed to be independent academic exercises supported by the government, right? But what has happened? So obviously, the government's input is important. And what is also important is that the government responds to the findings. What is happening is that the government wants too much control over what gets asked. But when the same surveys show up disconcerting findings, it doesn't want to respond to those. The government cares more about what gets said than what than doing something about it. Anything you want to say about the disability? Yeah, I don't understand what why the disability questions have been removed from the NFHS. The community, the disability community in India has come out quite strongly against it. And I think it's clear, quite clear that they would like these questions to go ahead. And again, I think it's worth paying attention to what direct stakeholders think about these questions, right? Uh, and again, the advantages of the NFHS is that it has a lot of other information um, uh, that you can correlate with disability. So let's say you're interested in finding out where disab- in which regions of India is disability more, in which ages, among which population groups, then you actually, the NFHS is a, love, is a wonderful source of information. Um, so actually, to me, removing this these questions from NFHS is again quite a tragedy. Uh, and I feel that, I mean, the government feels that, you know, the growth rate or in India is, is you know, different from global standards. So, you know, in 2013, uh, economist Arvind Panigra, he had created a huge controversy by hypothesizing that, you know, we, our growth rate is, I mean, in our height, the how much we grow is different from what the global standards are. And that time it was, it was actually like, you know, he was just, but now it's becoming the popular narrative, you know. Uh, I think, do we have an understanding about what is the role of genetics and growth and, you know, how do we sort of think of it statistically? Are there any principles which you adhere to? Yeah. So what we're talking about is stunting. And so children grow according to uh, as their age progresses. And so one of the markers of stunting is height for age. What is your height given a certain age, right? And so there are global standards. Uh, the global standards were created by the WHO, including populations from India. So it's not the case that Populations from India are excluded in the creation of these uh, global standards, right? They are included in that. The uh, And so when you have these global standards, you measure, okay, how is the average Indian kid doing with respect to those global standards? And you cal- can calculate the proportion of kids that are uh, stunted. Uh, this debate about our Indians genetically do indians have genetically less height or do indian genet have some there is there some genetic component by which indians grow less than global averages this debate comes up every time we have slower progress on reducing stunting right so in the last in the context of the previous debate it happened um, because despite robust economic growth there were, between in the 90s and the 2000s, there was little evidence of uh, inc- declines in stunting. And again, 
between 2015 and 16 and 2019-20. These are the years of the two NFHS. So NFHS 4 was in 2015-16 and 5 was in 2019-20. And between them, there was little progress in reductions in sending. There was some progress, but it was much slower than progress previously, right? So again, this debate has come just to answer the genetic Debate. So, for instance, there are Indians who are settled abroad in the UK and in the US. So, Alessandro Tarozi has a very nice paper on Indians in the UK. And so, it turns out that when Indian second generation Indians are in the UK, they grow up to be really very tall and they don't face any height deficits, right? In fact, we have some... Um, we have some, uh, I and Dean Spears and another co-author have a paper comparing West Bengal and Bangladesh. And so we know that in Bangladesh uh, uh, and in West Bengal, there is no argument that there is some genetic differences among people. Right? These are the same sort of people from the same genetic pool. And even in Bangladesh, uh, where uh, sanitation is much better than India, women's health is much better, women's agency is better than what is in what is in West Bengal, children grow up to be taller than children in West Bengal, right? So, so from a research perspective, it is very clear that there are things in India, such as sanitation, such as the lack of sanitation and the la- and so. The extent to which uh, the extent to which women's nutrition is prioritized, and so on, which lead to high deficits among Indian children. Again, instead of confronting that fact, that very well understood and documented fact, we go on to this roundabout explanation. Oh, maybe it's genetics. Right? So I think we should not pay any attention uh, uh, to this debate uh, and. I think there should there has to be a way to bring public discussion around the central finding about the slow progress on stunting in India and the really high proportion of stunted children um, in India. These are the facts that matter and not this roundabout explanation. This is my general doubt also. Like, is it is it also the case that if if for whatever reasons my you know my father's family was or my parents' family was poor and then you know uh, they were short but uh, then does it take a long while to sort of generate even if the child was grown better off or whatever does it take a long while genetically grow taller like even within the same family right so there is a genetic component or there is what you would call it. So there, there are differences between what is a genetic component and what is an intergenerational component, right? So the, there is an intergenerational component to hide. What research has shown is that, so it may be the case that there is an intergenerational uh, persistence of lower height, right? that is separate from a genetic component. A genetic component will show over several generations, for instance. A heritable genetic component will be over several generations. Um, The second thing is that uh, we know of a lot of cases of, I mean, what we're talking about is from a population perspective. And so from a population perspective, uh, when you take the whole population, if the conditions that 
lead to better height are uh, are improving uh, then height will improve right and and if uh, and so and so it's always important to not look at individuals but on a whole population wide scale which is what surveys such as the uh, nfhs enable us to do that so when you look at that correlation between mothers height and children's height in places where there are better conditions there is lower open defecation there is a wider difference between so so in places where there is lower open defecation say the correlation between mothers height and children's height is less children grow up to be taller there right and then in places where there is so yes there is an intergenerational component but the intergenerational component is affected by what the conditions around you are i asked ashish about how the government has delayed many important surveys including census on account of covid-19 pandemic so when the the covid-19 survey had large scale population uh more impacts large scale population health impacts in india right uh we know from a fact that the government claims the that there is a very low mortality from covid in india and that is completely wrong there are multiple multiple estimates using a variety of different approaches that say that the overall toll of the uh, pandemic in india is several times what the government claims it to be right what is remarkable is that the government doesn't pay any attention to this research and continues to claim that india did very well in its response uh, to covid when the pandemic there are other smaller uh, effects generally on de- uh, on research and data and public discussion so when the pandemic initially happened right we thought that uh, there was this hope that okay now we will pay more attention to health okay now we will pay <laughs> more and we will get better data on mortality and i think the pandemic has shown that just not to be the case um uh, so i'll give an example the sample registration system of india used to measure mortality and fertility and sex ratios every year report used to come out with some delay but they used to come out and now we haven't seen we are in 2023 but we haven't seen a sample registration system reports for a very long time right uh, the same is true of the civil registration system so we know that we are supposed to re- we register deaths and births and then the state compiles this information and publishes this again the last year for this information is now 2020 2020 we are already in 2023 a half way through it right so this information for 2021 and so on is no longer out is not available and you can't it's it's hard to get access to it also right the um there are several other surveys that were planned that didn't happen but also the biggest tragedy is that the census didn't happen uh, quote and quote because of the pandemic and so there for several year for about for 20 the census could have happened in 2022 in late 2022 in early 2023 but it just hasn't happened right 
and so to me it sounds like it is not a priority and it is actually one of the biggest failures if you think about in terms of governance right so demography uh, so democracy like uh, rule by the people first needs to have a sense of demography like who the people are right and if you don't know that then it's not really you you start so the state doesn't know how many people so state needs to allocate resources finances to different areas and if it doesn't know how many people are in a place then how on what basis is it supposed to allocate those resources right uh so i do think that uh uh conducting a census is a basic measure of state capacity and if you think about not us not having a census uh then then i think state capacity has declined quite a bit uh it doesn't seem like it will happen anytime soon also so there's very little hope in the medium term so indians were involved in the development of the un statistical commission and the un population division so if you think about post independent india we don't really get any good mortality or fertility data until the 1970s right and in the 1970 this really impressive system the the sample registration survey is set up it it again india is among the few countries in the developing world which have annual estimates of fertility mortality coming from the sample registration system but the sample registration system sort of uh, continues and then actually it's only very recently um starting in about 2017 and 2018 then it starts showing uh showing signs of decline and showing signs of not measuring things well um and then i think in the pandemic it does really we don't know what is happening to the sample registration system um any longer uh so i think one thing is that the that the discourse on the long history of of indian statistical system is really dominated by people who pay attention to one set of statistics these tend to be poverty employment and gdp statistics health statistics are entirely absent in this uh, in this debate and have disagreed with what what are most likely true findings one example of this is that the nfhs was not conducted between 2005 and 2015 right a period a gap of 10 years and again what was happening was that uh, the nfhs were showing that despite robust economic growth the despite robust economic growth sending wasn't declining and so for this reason the nfhs wasn't allowed to happen when it could have happened there was this large gap between two waves of the nfhs right uh so in some cases i feel there is a bipartisan tradition of not paying attention to inconvenient findings i should say that uh right now it definitely feels like another level of disregard for facts that we haven't seen i mean it is quite unprecedented to see such systematic attack on credible sources of data and on people who care about running an indian society on the basis of data
Thank you.